Hey guys, this is Outer Heaven, the Knives Monroe podcast, and I am your host, Knives Monroe. And uh, it's been a minute since I've done one of these, and uh, I never wanted it to be this long, but here we are, and it doesn't matter, and uh, picking up right where we left off. So if you last joined us, I made uh, about an hour episode in my car. Um, I had just moved to Austin, Texas. I had left the Rio Grande Valley. I'm not going to lie, I mean, one of the the whole gimmicks of the first, you know, germ of doing the Outer Heaven podcast was, you know, to not just document real Grandy Valley artists, but kind of put a lot of them on the map. That meant a lot to me. It still means a lot to me to put some guys on the map, you know. Um, it, you know, one of the things that really excites me about doing this is one of these days there's going to be a hardcore fan of somebody that I talk to they're going to go back and they're going to google their favorite artist and they're going to find this podcast and they're going to hear that conversation and they're going to relate to that origin story I mean that's one of the big reasons why I'm doing this I'm aiming towards episode 100 and uh this episode was fun, man. Uh, it came out of nowhere. Um, you're going to hear a talk where, I mean, I just met Pseudonym Jones. I had just met him. And uh, he asked me, he was like, where are we going to record this? And I was like, we'll just record it there. We uh, we met up at a Starbucks near the Arboretum here in Austin. And uh, I'm actually very pleasantly surprised at how great the quality, I'm sorry, I have to say it, but how great the quality is and was of our conversation. You'll hear, you know, some cars in the background. You'll, you'll hear some people that can't be uh, avoided. But goddamn, does it sound fucking great? And I love it. I love it. So um, I hope you guys enjoy that talk. I enjoyed it. It was great. Very interesting dude. Was kind of inspired by him, and he gave me the idea of uh, finally an open mic that's around here. And I definitely want to crash it. It's actually tonight. On the day that this is going up, which is Tuesday. <sighs> oh man, oh man. Jeez Louise. It is uh, about six in the morning on a Tuesday. And uh yeah, I'm usually up at this hour. It's not even a big deal. I mean, for the past two you know, two, three years I've been a mo- been a morning person, for sure. Um, which I love. I mean, I love starting the day off with that kind of momentum. I love waking up rolling out of bed and moving um that's the only way i'm gonna have a great day um the other day you know i've been working six days a week um for a few weeks and the other day i slept 12 hours which i have not done you know not counting you know being sick i have not done that um you know in three years sleep uh, about 12 hours oh man that was luxurious it was Scrum diddly umptious. Mm, it was so nice. I'm not going to lie. My body needed it, you know. Um, rest is key. Going to sleep early is key. Waking up early is key, you know. You, you fire off your metabolism. You know, go ahead and eat something. Get that energy. And I don't like, you know, people who, you know, they wake up. You know, they got to get to work at 8. They wake up at 745 they're like two minutes late, but they made sure to get their Red Bull, and they're there, and they're like, uh, I fucking hate Mondays, man, like, uh, I hate that shit, and I never wanted to be that, I, I probably used to be that a few years ago, 
I wouldn't doubt it. But, um, yeah, I don't really drink energy drinks anymore, you know. 2012 will always mark the year where I slept, you know, one day a week for about eight months out of that year. And, you know, that wasn't good for my brain at all. I remember when I was writing her doppelganger in 2011, I I um, stayed up for eight days just to finish that script to meet my deadline. And I met my deadline with, like, not a minute to spare. And, uh, man, my brain paid a price. And I think that's some bullshit that you can only get away with when you're young. I was 23, you know. I would never do that again. There's no reason to. There's no reason to. You know, um, I'm a... I'm an adrenaline junkie when it comes to the pressure that I put onto myself. And there's something about procrastinating to the last minute, the thrill of, if I don't do this, I'm fucked. (laughs) That has motivated me for a very long time. I'm not going to lie. But, you know, I've been getting my shit together in a real way. Um, I believe that you are what you do consistently. And and I think human beings are habitual creatures. And, uh, you know, people that are successful got a whole list of, of habits that they do that people that aren't successful don't have the balls or guts or will or drive to do. I know that, and you know that. It's ABC123. One, two, three. And so if, if waking up in the morning you know, has something to do with that, I'm going to do it. It's not a big fucking deal. You know? How many millennials, how many 20-some-odd-year-olds you know, year are actually look at things that way? I don't know. Where are you? I want to meet you. Man, uh, I love my job. I love my job. I didn't think I'd say that. You know, I'm going to be honest. Nobody listens to this. But if you're listening to this and, and you knew where I used to work, um, at Teletech, uh, basically 2015 to half of this year, 2016, um, you know that I really did care about my job. You know that I was the first one to show up last to leave. You know that I took it seriously. Yeah, I could joke around. Yeah, I was a big goofball. Yeah, I like to make people laugh and be silly, and I was kind of crazy at times and manic. I would agree with that. But that was because I really did care, and I had to, I had to have that energy, and I had to match everybody, and, I, and I, I actually had, you know, I actually did my job. And uh, I, I think I did my job as a coach, as an OJT coach, better than most people there. I was probably the best, and I'm saying that, yeah, with a lot of ego, but also nobody else gave a shit. And having said that, I still found at least two hours a day to to write. I found two hours a day at work where paper was not allowed to to be creative, you know? And I did that out of resourcefulness. And that's kind of what I'm all about, you know? And, and, and uh... So to work at a job that I do enjoy, where there is respect, where the company culture is insane, you know, I, I don't want to brag like too much because I'll make you feel really bad. But you know, Fuddruckers was catered the other day. You know, it's unlimited Starbucks, coffee that is fucking cool. You know, um, who else? Pluckers catered that the other day. Um, you know, it's so, like, they're, they're so kind to us, and they don't want us to burn out, and uh, it's it's a job that I look at, and I, I want to make a career out of it, you know? I never said that in the history of my life. I've always looked at things as an artist, as a filmmaker, as 
you know, like the job was always my side chick. You know, I've worked at McDonald's. I've worked at Whataburger. I've worked at Burger King. You know, I've done Church's Chicken. I've done H-E-B. I've done Walmart. I've done Lowe's. House of China. Garbage jobs. You know, uh, two, two or three call centers that were the bane of my existence. And this is the first job I've ever had. And uh, I'm not just saying this, but I mean, like I said, I've been putting over like, you know, I've been doing like 60 hour weeks by choice because the opportunity is there because when you, when you, you know, when you're going to want those hours, they're not going to be there anymore, right? You got to get in while they're getting good. You got to strike while the iron's hot. And I, you know, that's, that's a, that's a lot of work and I want to do it. And it's fun, and I'm not burning out, and, and I still have time to enjoy myself, and I still have time to ponder and reflect, and dare I say, even write. And that is a fucking miracle where I come from. How you guys doing? Oh, man, I missed this. I really did miss this, man, I'm not gonna lie. You know, um... While I have you guys here, and we're going to get to Pseudonym Jones in just a moment. You know, I've done episodes with Luis Cantu, and that was like one of my favorite talks. That was like my third podcast. I did an episode with Seems Fuentes, and then that was one of my favorite talks. That was like the one right after. And then I did an episode with Victor Parlato, and like these talks are just getting better and better and better. You know, and uh, and then every now and then you, you do one with Eric Echo, and you're just like... I got to get through this. Sorry, buddy. But <laughs> I'm not going to talk to guys or girls who, you know, you know, look, look at our conversations like it's an interview. Because these are just talks. These are just conversations. I'm sorry. Now I'm burying this guy, and that's not cool. Okay, that's not what I'm trying to do. That's not what this is about. It's not. The point I wanted to make was... You know, out of the guests that I've had, you know, the first episode I ever made, episode zero, has a lot of listens, has a lot of views. People really like that episode. I mean, I have, like, the the data. And, and then I have all these guests, and then the last episode I did, which is called, you know, Why You Should Leave Your Hometown or Why You Should Leave the Valley or whatever, and it's just an episode about, you know, it's just an episode with me. That, like, you know, times four with a factor of four, like, you know, the the data on that episode. I mean, it's like you guys really like to just listen to me. You know, that that is confusing. That's confusing. But at the same time, you know, maybe I'm being really hard on myself. I, I love talking to guests. I love talking and exploring the origin stories of other artists. That's part of the, the joy of why I do this. I love that. That's my favorite thing. Having a conversation, I mean, I can have an episode where I don't even talk, and if the, the, if the guest is just, like, on fire, I'm happy with that, you know, even though it's my show. But for some reason, those episodes with just me have gotten a lot of views. I wonder if it's because maybe I promote them more. I don't know, but you guys need to explain that to me. And here we are, you know, approaching 10 episodes here. And uh, for every episode, I've been telling you guys, ask me anything. I want to read your questions on air. I want to read your questions, man. I don't want to talk about things. Come on. Where the fuck is your involvement? Where the fuck is your involvement, guys? Huh? Real quick, before we get into Pseudonym Jones, I had a spiritual awakening. I had a uh, 
mind-altering experience. I had a near-life experience, one could say. Last Wednesday, four years ago to the day when uh, I met and I had the pleasure of meeting Richard Linklater and talking about the Master with him, and I saw the Master twice in one day, September 21st, 2012. Four years later to the day, I saw Kanye West. And, um, you know, I'll never be in the heyday of the Beatles or Elvis Presley or, you know, I'll never be in the heyday of, of the, of the gods, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll never would have shook Steve Jobs's hand, right, um, and that bums me out, because those guys are, are heroes, you know, and gods in a lot, of, in a lot of ways, but I can say that I was in the presence of a god, and I can say I, I saw Kanye, and, uh, his show was insane, it was the St. Pablo tour, a lot of magical moments, I cried, you know, he sang only one, the whole thing, and, you know, I've ran so many miles listening to that song and anchoring it that it's become this trigger that I think about my kids every time I hear it. And, uh, you know, I had a magical experience, and it, and, it, and it reminded me why I want to do this art, leave a legacy behind, creating products. And uh, you look at Kanye West and say whatever the fuck you want to say about him. But nobody around right now is uh, is making that level of quality at the consistency of this man. And he has his hands in so many different cookie jars. I mean, he's incredible. And uh, I look forward to what this guy's going to do in the next 10, 20 years as well. And I'll be there. I'm going to see Sia with Claire in November. Man, I'm so I'm hyped about that. I'm hyped about that. That's going to be fucking fun. Frank Irwin Center, that should be good. And, uh, you know, Evanescence, Amy Lee is going to come down November 1st, and uh, I'm, I'm trying to manifest, you know, like 200 bucks to fall into my lap. They're not, the tickets aren't that expensive, but I want to be close. I don't even think tickets are available, but uh, Evanescence is also one of those that I, I need to see before I die. Um, I've just been listening to Amy Lee all week. I'm going to continue to do so. How do you like that? I never grew up. Hmm? <laughs> Always stay 16, guys. Well, you know, um, this intro was fun. There's a lot of stuff I want to talk about. You know, ask me questions, okay? Send me questions at theouterheaven, H-A-E-V-E-N, at gmail.com or knivesmonroe at gmail.com, whatever you want. I want to I wanna have a dialogue, all right? I, I enjoy doing a monologue, but I want to have a dialogue, so send me fucking questions, all right? Don't be a bum. Okay, not wait while you're driving. That's weird. Okay, if you're driving right now and you're listening to this, don't you don't try to send me a don't. Just wait until you park. Okay, and then and then and then send me a fucking question. What's a big fucking deal? Don't be afraid. You know, the world's a very interesting place. There's a lot of stuff to talk about. Last night was the debate with the Clinton and you know that guy, and um, <laughs> I was at the gym yesterday and. On two screens that were in front of me uh, was the debate, and and the other one was Monday Night Raw, professional wrestling, WWE, and I was like, "This is a freak show." Both of these things are like happening right now. So, God damn it! But um, you know, uh, I I want to have that dialogue with you guys, so don't be shy. Don't be shy. We have a lot to talk about. And if you want to be on the show, hit me up at theouterheaven at gmail dot com. You know how it's spelled: H A E V E N. Don't be silly, okay? Well, guys. 
you know, thanks for listening to me ramble. This was a little weird. But, uh, you know, at least now I know that I think it's okay if I just do some of these episodes by myself. You guys seem to listen to them. They get they get the most hits. They get the most views and listens. So that that's encouraging. And uh, actually, this podcast is one of the most successful things I've ever done. So thank you for that as well. And thank you. Thank you very much for listening. Um, you humble me. And uh, these are so fun to do and so fun to make and very easy to produce. And uh, this is just the beginning. And guys, without further ado, a man that you know I had just met who, who moved to Austin because he has a dream of being the best guitarist in, in Austin, a guy that I just met who, who creates beats and, and sells them. And, you know, uh, you know, one of these dudes that is like a very good looking guy and, and he can kind of do it all. And, you know, he seems like a very eclectic individual. You know, we, we talk about all kinds of cool things here. We talk about Drake, you know, we talk about Kanye, we talk about, you know, school and, and going to an art school and, and, you know, how was that? Was it worth it? You know, uh, I was surprised that he that he said that nobody had ever asked him that before. We had a great conversation. So I want you guys to check it out. Uh, each episode that I make, and I'm not no-selling the one previous, but it, it becomes my favorite episode. This is this is definitely one of my favorite talks. So, guys, without further ado, pseudonym Jones. What I like to do is, um, this is my first podcast in a month. I did six in a row, bi-weekly. It was like a two every week, Monday and Thursdays, and I moved over here, and uh, it took me a while to get situated, it took me a while to, um, you know, not, it actually didn't take me long to get a job, but just yeah. to get my brain back on track, yeah. my brain's finally back on track. Got a path and a direction to move. Exactly, yeah. and um, I didn't want to, I, I, I I'm, had no intention in quitting doing this, but uh, mm-hmm. I really wanted to find, like, you know, um, guests. I really wanted yeah. to find people that uh, I wanted to get to know their origin story and yeah. everything. But um, reach out and connect. Yeah, best and, way to do it. And I put this on iTunes. I put it on yeah. on um, SoundCloud as well. And I'll record a video. Yeah. And I'll put it on YouTube. Yeah. And surprisingly, like the YouTube views are like double. Yeah. But it's a podcast. Yeah, it's weird. Isn't that yeah, weird? Do you have, like a like a picture in the background or anything? No, you know? I watermark it. But it's just it's just the yeah. person having the conversation. Yeah, yeah. So maybe maybe it's that uh, godlike voice you got. It's not me. Yeah, it might be. I don't know. Nah, nah, nah. But I love your, I love your voice, man. Appreciate so, so I'm, yeah. I'm here with pseudonym Jones. <laughs> yeah. We we just met five minutes ago. Yeah, and yeah, uh, you know, we're already like family. <laughs> you coming to my daughter's bar mitzvah, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I put a I put an ad out in Craigslist, uh, you know, looking for podcast guests, and and you responded in about five minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was in the area. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, I guess we both lucked out, right? Yeah, no, we did, man. Uh, hopefully this is a, the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Oh, yeah. I, I mean that. We were talking off mic, and, and you said, uh, we were talking about how filmmaking is a dirty hmm. word. Oh, yes. But yeah. but you do short films. Yeah. Tell me more yeah. about, um, not not how you make short films, mm-hmm. but when you decided that that's something you wanted to do. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess to clear the air, for me, the only true dirty film would be, you know, the adult films. So, you know, but, you know... Some of them are less dirty than others. But what I do do um, for a majority of my time is uh, short films, um, such as, you know, comical films. Uh, I've seen things like uh, King, King Batch uh, off of uh, Vine or, or Instagram. Uh, basically, it's just trying to make people laugh in, you know, maybe 30, 
30 seconds to a minute, things like that. I also like making uh, cartoon documentaries or animated documentaries. I have one called uh, uh, Euphoria Evolving with uh, Opium. Uh, and it basically uh, takes you through the uh, progress of opium, how it started in um, uh, Greece and in India, and then eventually made its way into the pharmaceutical industry, and the pharmaceutical industry makes billions of dollars off of it now, and it kind of just, uh, it draws a line through the history of opiates. And um, hopefully, you know, it'll help people, you know, um, try to make it funny, uh, engaging, and it, at the very most, uh, something that people can learn a lot from. Cartoon documentary. That's oh, yeah. the first time I've ever heard that. Uh, well, it, it's more of an animated documentary. Uh, have you ever seen um, Game Theory with MatPat on YouTube? Game Theory? Game Theory? No. I don't no? Okay. I uh, well, it, it's a premise very similar to that where you have an animated icon and he's the host of the show and then he walks through like different pictures and shows you different things okay. and uh, basically breaks it down. Uh, I guess saying a cartoon documentary uh, is wrong. It's more of an animated documentary. Oh, cool. Yes. If that makes it any yeah, better. No, no, no. Wow. <laughs> yeah. um, so, how many birthdays have you had? Uh, 26. 26. You're still yeah. very young. Yeah. I think I, baby. I, think, I think I had 27, but it was a leap year. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> but you should be 27? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm 26. I'm 26. 26. Yeah. That's cool, man. Um, I remember being that young. No. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, I, I talk to as, m- as many old people mm-hmm. with big quotation marks that I can. And oftentimes I find that they would trade their balls to be 26 again, mm. you know. Uh, and then make it, all those same mistakes again. And, and, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But in, in 2016, yeah. you know, like um, the fact that we can even do this on the go, that, that wasn't around during their time. They, could, they couldn't express themselves, you know. Absolutely. They couldn't make animated documentaries yeah. if they wanted to, you know what I mean. Um, it's a very, yeah. it's a very uh, great time. So uh, I guess what I'm saying is you're 26, yeah. you, you, still have, you still have your life ahead of yeah. you, you know what I mean. That, that's... Super exciting. Um, yeah. When did you decide at a? Yeah. You know, when did you decide that you wanted to to be an artist or that you were an artist? Uh, well, um, the whole age thing. If time just wants to stop right now for me and just like keep me here, I'd be totally happy. I'll probably say the same thing when I'm like 58. Just like. Yeah. But uh, the thing that made me want to become an artist is um, I've always been a teacher. You know, somebody that that's always wanted to nurture and kind of show people, you know, uh, information, show people how to possibly better their life, things like that. And so um, I decided that art was a great way for me to, you know, get my voice out there, entertain the people and, you know, possibly you know, be successful enough to make some money at it. You know, there are a lot of starving artists out there, you know, um, but the ones that do make it uh, have the ability to shape culture, shape the world, and help people to, you know, the maximum degree possible. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, I also enjoy, enjoy music, you know. Uh, music's my main forte, but as an audio engineer, that's kind of uh, pushed me to the realm of, you know, theater. Um, I, I work at Bass Concert Hall as well as the Long Center as my day job, quote-unquote day job. Mm-hmm. And uh, I see uh, Broadway concerts, I see uh, like artist concerts, a variety of different showing of, of talent. And, and every night I'm just like, why am I back here when I should be on stage? Why am I back here when I should be on stage? And it drives me. It drives me uh, more than anything else. And just seeing the success of all these other people just makes me want to want it even more. And so uh, that's one of the main reasons why I moved to Austin is because I wanted to be more of a serious artist. And Austin is the live music capital of the world. Which, you know, in, in, some, in some respects to that, 
you, you wouldn't want to move there, you know? You always hear about, you know, the people who are like, I'm going to be an actress or an actor, so I'm going to move to Hollywood, and they end up, like, waiting tables for 10 years, and it never breaks for them, you know? Uh, so, that could usually happen in Austin. The only good thing is that, you know, you create your own. You create your own music here, you know? A lot of times, actors and actresses, they're reading somebody else's work, and if mm-hmm. they fall in line with somebody else that isn't very uh, talented scriptwriter or filmmaker or whatever then they suffer as well their reputation suffers you know but as a musician it all falls on your ability to play you know are you, are you, are you too drunk to be able to perform you know do you even have the ability to, to to play your instrument or do you know what you're doing things like that so it, it's more self-reliant than uh, acting in my opinion but uh you know i still do this i still do the art thing you know if somebody was like hey you know, you want to try out for this commercial commercial role? I'll be like, okay, sure, you know. In terms of acting? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, uh, I just want to entertain as best as possible. I want to do music, but I have, like, all these other ideas. Like, I have this, like, board game that I want to turn into, like, a drinking game. It's going to be kind of like uh, Cards Against Humanity, but it's, like, this ridiculous drinking game. Um, I also have uh, a MIDI technology. I like to create uh, circuitry and... and uh, uh, build different instruments. I have something called a beatboxer glove, which is a MIDI technology glove that you, it runs through USB and you can connect it into any computer that has a DAW. You can assign any virtual instrument to it. So with this glove, you can play piano off the glove, you can play guitar off the glove, bass, you can even assign drums to the glove. So using just your fingertips, you're able to produce multiple different sounds as well as there's a variety of potentiometers and turnstiles on, on the top so that you can uh, fluctuate the frequencies within each instrument. So I really feel like it could possibly be the next step for uh, MIDI uh, instruments. You know, everybody nowadays plays a MIDI keyboard, which is totally cool. You know, I play a MIDI keyboard, but the beatboxer glove would be uh, a, a, a MIDI keyboard in a glove that you would wear. So That's, that's mind-blowing, man, and you made so, that. Yes. Yeah. You know, uh, this past Wednesday I was fortunate enough to... To go see Kanye, uh, yeah. he came down here. Yeah, and, Frank uh, Irwin. Yeah, and uh, it was it was more spiritual than I thought it would be. It was more like communal, you know. Yeah, like I would say, maybe one out of fifty people like didn't need to. They didn't want to be there. Yeah, you know, they were just there because it was something to do on a Wednesday. Yeah, but um, there were some people that were you know hardcore Kanye fans from the beginning. You know, there were people that were there that were talking about his first record. And, and then I realized, like, wow, I, I'm with my people. Like, I, I'm with, you know, my girlfriend always tells me, like, you have, you have to find your people, you know. And uh, and being there was, like, a, this spiritual, like, large, like. <laughs> it was spiritual like, awakening. <laughs> it, it really was. Yeah. And, 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 I, Kanye, yeah. and I realized, like, man, like, I, I realized what an artist really is. You know, like, this guy, um, you know, the way he had his whole setup, mm-hmm. you know, this guy does everything. You yeah. know, uh, he's a director. He's a musician. Mm-hmm. He's a rapper. Now he's making, you know, um, he has his own clothing line that he yeah. takes very seriously and all this stuff. Yeah. Well, the thing about music is that the music industry is completely destroyed. In order for you to continuously being successful is you have to take the money and name and prestige and whatever from music, you know, and then you move it over to other areas such as acting or you move it to a clothing line or you create title like what Jay-Z wants to do mm-hmm. or is trying to do or, you know, you you make a book, you write a book or something, you know, because right. you're never going to stay the top of the music game now, you know. It's a very hard thing to do, especially with anybody that could set up a studio, like in a car, set up a studio it's in a hotel room. It's pretty much like about creating gateway drugs. 
Yeah. Right? Like yeah. it's like my music is a gateway drug for these people, and yeah. then this is going to be a gateway drug for these people, yeah. and then there's people that are just going to yeah. be fans of your books. Yeah. Uh, or you could call it multiple streams of revenue. Yeah. Like eventually, you're not going to make you're not going to make ten dollars off that album. Eventually, that album is going to sell for three ninety nine. Okay. Mm-hmm. When that happens, are you still going to be able to pay your car payments? Are you still going to be able to pay for your your mansion? Are you still going to be able to pay for your escorts? Whatever, whatever. Sure. You know? Uh, Chances are probably no. You're probably going to go the way of MC Hammer. So what you're going to need to do is you're going to need to allocate some of those funds into a different endeavor, right? And these different endeavors are whether or not you start a record label. Uh, Look at uh, Birdman, Lil Wayne, Young Money Cash Money Records. They knew their music wasn't going to last forever. You know, they made it. Psh, you, you broke through. You got your name out there. It's a household name. It'll probably be a household name for maybe a year or two years. Well, then they started to create their own record label. Well, then they have these younger generations that will become the next household name, you know. And then you just keep trying to find different ways of converting the money you made here into something else. Businesses do it all the time. But when you become an entertainer, you have to almost do it for yourself. You have to your your name is the branding, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, that's, that's basically what's happening. That's exactly what you've seen Kanye do. Uh, Sean, Sean Diddy, Sean Puffy Combs is one of the best. He's, he is the, the, the top-ranked hip-hop mogul in the United States. You think more so than Jay-Z? Yeah, yeah. He's got Jay-Z by, uh, like, $20 million. Uh, that's because I know Jay... Isn't Jay-Z a billionaire? No. He's not a billionaire? No, no, no. Well, Dre's a billionaire. Jay became a billionaire. <laughs> but it's, it's like, his words. It's like, he's like, okay... Like when you uh, when you have a net worth and your net worth isn't just the money in your bank account. It's like uh, how much stock you own or uh, what your company is worth or how many cars you have or do you have like pure gold hidden in your basement. You know, th- there's just different things that go into the net worth. I believe that Dr. Dre's net worth is a billion dollars. Yes, from from like the stocks, the stock that he has with Apple mm-hmm. plus the money that he got for uh, Beats Beats uh, headphones. But I know uh, Sean Puffy Combs, right? If you look at, like, the top richest musicians, right, he's, like, number four or five on there, right? It's, like, 560, close to $600 million, right? And if you go to K&G or Walmart or Target, you'll see, like, Sean John. Sean John, mm-hmm. everybody knows. That's one of the top clothing brands. You know, people make a lot of money from clothing, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, he also has uh, vodka, you know? Yeah. Um, he, um, he also has, I don't know, like, water. I think he has, like, a type of bottled water or something like that, you know? Yeah. So... It's like, yes, I started with music because that's really the only opportunity I have really had, you know. But now that, you know, people know me and I have a little bit of money coming in, I'm going to move over to this, you know. Mm. So it's really about, um, you know, nowadays, post-Napster, post-all yeah. these things, like it's, it's about being an entrepreneur. Yeah, No one's going for longevity in the music game anymore. If you go for longevity, you're, you're probably going get, to get your heart broken. You know, people, people don't become Led Zeppelins anymore. People... I think I think Beyonce is probably going to be like one of the closest like artists for longevity like like 20 30 years from now. What artists do you think we're going to be talking about? I don't think we're going to be talking about a uh, designer, you know, 20 years from now, mm-hmm. you know. I think we're going to be talking about Jay-Z 20 years from now, you know. But you know, there's, there's very few artists who are going to, you know, stand the test of time and so they have to find multiple ways of making money. Man, that's exactly right. Um I feel like there's a you know, for me personally, I I fall into like I, I love too many niches. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like uh, like stand up comedians. They're they're not going to be these 
you know, your your Amy Schumers that can do kind of like five different things. Like mm-hmm. they don't, they're not 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 everybody can do that. Not yeah. everybody can be Louis C.K. Yeah. and be the writer, director, you know, showrunner, yep. you know, editor of like their own stuff. Yeah. You know, most people are just going to be telling jokes on stage. Yeah. And for twenty five years, that's going to be their life, and they mm-hmm. may not be able to pay their bills and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I kind of find myself like. I, I understand, you know, allocating your money and like the, you know, I understand logically uh, the business side of things, but to translate, you know, either like a product or a service there, that that's where it becomes a little bit challenging to me. Have you ever, have you ever, you know, made a dollar off of selling something before? Yeah. 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 Tell me more about that. Made a it's hard duck. enough for someone. If yeah, you tell yeah. someone, you know, that, that wants to be <laughs> yeah. the next Elvis Presley, that wants yeah. to be the next Kanye yeah. or whatever. I wants to be the next Radiohead. Go make one dollar. It's gonna be fucking hard for them to just do that. To just make one dollar. Have you made one dollar? I mean, that's I've, why I left yeah, where I was yeah, yeah, I have, and came I have, to Austin. I have as well. made a dollar. Um, well, well, artists have this thing that they call busking, or you know, just playing playing out in the street. Yeah, and uh, you can do it that way. But uh, I like to sell beats. I like to produce and make hip hop beats as well as R and B beats. I have a SoundCloud as well as a Reverb Nation as well as a YouTube channel, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, we'll, we'll get to plugging at the end. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. 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 <laughs> I just had to put that in somewhere. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, basically, I uh, sold beats. Uh, I work with other artists. I record other artists. Uh, my main forte is audio engineering. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, somebody from the DC. I'm originally from the Washington DC area. Oh, right? cool. And so uh, one of the artists that I did get a chance to work with was Young Mo. Uh, and so I worked. I produced one of the songs for Young Mo. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see who else. Uh, I was the guitarist for Yanel Lavaz. Um, he was signed to Fantasy Records for Puerto Rico with Trayvon Clan, and um, he lives in the uh, the Northern Virginia area. Um, also was the uh, lead guitarist for Mumbo Sauce, which is a go-go band in the uh, Washington D.C. area. So, um, what it is is that you you. You have to know what's popular out and then kind of gear yourself towards that, you know? Uh, it's it's a lot harder to create a new genre mm-hmm. than to follow in the footsteps of a pre-existing genre, right? Because the pre-existing genre already has that fan base, and it'll be a lot easier to move that fan base over to what, what you're doing, right? Mm-hmm. But if you complete a... Comp- if you create a completely different genre than what's the standard or what's contemporary or what's popular now, right? You're going to have to create a whole new demographic, a whole new base of fans that may not have any relation to anything else that's popular out there like reggae or blues or whatever. You know, you basically have to create that. And uh, that's, what, that's what a lot of artists are doing. They're having to almost sell their soul uh, sell their creative soul as a way to become popular, you know? Give me it, an example. Um, example, uh, you're going to keep seeing more and more trap music, you know, because that's what's popular right now, you know? Mm-hmm. So as long as people are making money off of it, you're not going to... People aren't going to go back, like, back in time, you know? Like, um, uh, you're not going to see someone become as popular as, as Tupac or Jay-Z singing, like, uh, like Marvin Gaye records or, like, you Gangster know... Gangster rap. Not, not not so much even gangster rap, but like Motown. Mm-hmm. Motown would not would not sell today, you know. Be, be, yeah, of course. Beca- because you're fine. You're fine. Uh, be, because um, people are trying to tap into what's popular. What's popular is where the money is getting. Is where the money is going. You know, they're the ones who are getting the tour dates. They're the ones who are selling out the clubs, things like that. You that's, know, I mean, that's a skill in and of itself. You know, that's mm-hmm. why. That's why going back to you know being niche, like. It's kind of like um, 
you know, I know what people want, but I really have no interest in being that. Yeah. I don't. Um, some people. It's kind of hard to set up. yourself up to, to give like a shit about that. Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. A great example. Like, to me, he just kind of, like, goes against the grain, you know. He's weird, but, you know, he has a demographic or a, almost like a cult following, as they call it, you know. You yeah. just need to hope that your cult following is big enough, you know, whatever, whatever it is you, you want to do. I think, I think one thing that made Tarantino very successful is, like, you know, if he was making movies in a vacuum, I don't think people would have, maybe they would have appreciated it. But, you know, with his first film, he did it with, like, Harvey Keitel. Mm. Okay, so it was enough to, for people to watch it. His second film, you know, he used Bruce Willis when Bruce Willis was the thing. You know, he resurrected John Travolta's career. He, he put Sam Jackson's name out there. Now Sam is in every movie, you know. Um, and, and, you know, like his last two films, he's using what Jamie he? Foxx. He's using, like, you know, big guys, yeah. Brad Pitt, Leonardo DiCaprio, to really sell his movies. Like, and, like, and there are these little indie niche things that nobody should ever have any business in watching. And they shouldn't even be widely uh, accepted. But it's because he puts these names in front of them. That's how we all like, oh, that makes it even better. If they went with it, then we should totally go with it. Yeah, I think a little bit, right? Um, you know, I think that's why there's like, there's, like, a lot of features going on in music nowadays, right? Oh, yeah. There's so many features happening. Um, that, that's kind of what's happening. Um, you're, you're making your fan bases off of the fan bases of somebody already established, you know? And hopefully that, hopefully they're making their fan bases off of some of your fans as well. Right. It's kind of like what we're doing right now in a way. I agree. It's a, it's a, it's a transaction, I guess. It's Mm -hmm. a dance, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, that stuff's really exciting, but it's hard to, I mean, I guess that's the way you do it. You know, um, I've made four feature films, and they did okay business, you know. Um, three out of four of them made their money back, you know. You have to look at that as a success somehow. Oh, yeah. That, that's it. That's yeah. success in that show. Earlier this year, I, I did my first short film. Yeah. And, um, you know, we showed it to an audience, and people were just like, no. They were like, nah, we, 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 we didn't like that. <laughs> and, I, and, and, and I got that reaction. Like, it was like we sucked the soul out of the room. Are you, are you sure? You sure you don't like it? Exactly. I was like, what did I... Oh, and, and then, it, but what they told me was, oh, I didn't make this for them. Like, this isn't for everybody. Like, and, and you know, and, uh, you know, I, I like real niche stuff. Like, I just do. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't mean to, yeah. you know, but I just do. You're like a, like a fetishist. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah, that's, exactly, that's the word I've been using in my brain lately, for sure, man. And And to me, like, the hard part is, how do you... How do you make money out of that? How, mm-hmm. how do you widely, you know, cast a big net with that? That's really where I'm at right now, you know. Um, strangely enough, out of everything that I've done, you know, making movies, um, you know, doing little shows, producing, editing, all the stuff, the podcast was the most popular thing out of everything. That's a little disappointing, if mm-hmm. I'm being honest. You know, it I is. Mean, uh, In terms of, like, you know, yeah. I, I like having these different pillars. Yeah, you know, yeah. like you talk about fashion, music, and so on, acting, mm-hmm. comedians. Uh, I call them pillars, and I like having them. And, and it taught me, wow, people really care about this. I'm going to do more of that, mm-hmm. right? I'm not going to yeah. do less of it. I'm going to yeah. do more of it. And I and I love it. I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't love it. But um, it's kind of like, you know, when I, when I was a, uh, you know, we're roughly the same generation. I, I've always said, like, I feel like we're the Pokemon generation. Like, that's what, what was in our time, you know? Um, that was our Motown. And, <laughs> Motown, yeah. And, um, you know, in 1999, even, like, in the early 2000s, like, what a filmmaker was, like, you didn't want to call yourself a filmmaker earlier mm-hmm. because of what it means today. Mm-hmm. But I feel like 
what filmmaker meant to me like in 2000 mm-hmm. is what entrepreneur means to people and kids today. Mm-hmm. It's not a dirty, tainted word. It's saying, I'm a director. I'm this guy that gets shit done. I, I'm, I'm a visionary and like all these things. Now everybody's a filmmaker. Like every Vine person's a filmmaker. People are making movies on Snapchat and that's great. Um, but it's kind of killed what a filmmaker was. I was talking to one of my friends yesterday at work and I was like, name me one movie that, that you loved in the past five years that you loved. And he couldn't. And I was like, that's why I don't watch new shit. You know, I'll watch old stuff that's new to me. You know, it's hard to to try to find the thing that's going to put you over. That That's something that you love doing. You know, I made that short film earlier this year and it wasn't for a wide audience. And it taught me. They told me and it was fine. I didn't take it hard or personal. It was just like, oh, OK, I grew a level and I understood. But it taught me, you know, not only do you have to find your people, but how do you how do you do something that everybody knows is dynamite? Yeah. That's kind of hard, um, but but you you're sneaky about it, and you're putting things that that get you off in it. Well, like how do you how do you exploit your fetish? Yeah. You know what I mean. How do you trust your judgment of what is good? Like when you watch a movie, you're like, that was a good movie, even if you don't ask anybody else. Like, I oh yeah 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 for sure. And and when you decide something is good, is your is your premise of good reinforced by other people? No. No, no, no. I don't think so. Like, do I get, um, do I get a lot of like, I agree with you, knives. Do I get stuff like that? I don't think so. You know, um, I think the stuff that I like was was always like the redheaded stepchildren of those mediums. Like, I'll give you an example. Um, professional wrestling. I love professional wrestling, but it's not this like widely i mean it, it like there's some popular things everybody knows who the rock is or whatever but uh if Undertaker. you it, yeah if you tell people like i like professional wrestling odds are that random person you told is going to be like you right um another thing that i really like that like has informed my um my artistry is jackass when those guys were doing what they did yeah, i was like i get it i love it i'm all about that you know what i mean i feel like um you know and i've been told this before I don't think I make like really, really good art, mm-hmm. but I think it's I, I think I I do experimentations and sometimes the ones that hit hit and, and but I make a lot of the ones that miss. And I think I trust you know, you asked me earlier like if I if I if I trust that I like good shit, I think I'm more ready to abandon what I think is good shit because I'm like anybody can do that mm. and I'll try something new. I'll try mm. something different. Um, like like those like jackass, that shouldn't have worked. It shouldn't have fucking worked, but it did. And and I consider that, you know, high art. I really do, in, in a way. And maybe those guys, that wasn't their intention, but there's a reason why I made a lot of money. You know what I mean? Like, I want to find that. Oh, they were finding a lot of one-liners. They always got hurt. It was almost like, um, like they're, they're like clowns, like, uh, like, like court jesters. Yeah. And then people watch court jesters, you know. Um, and it was almost like, what are they going to do next? Like when Steve-O like stapled his, his nest to his leg, mm-hmm. I was like, that's, that's too much Steve-O. Right. What are you going to do next though? Or, <laughs> or sticking a, a koi tar, a, a toy car up your butt. Yeah. And that's getting just an funny. Yeah. That that's is just... fucking genius. That's genius. You know what I mean? And, uh, and I appreciate that. And they did it for the love of like the videotape, mm-hmm. you know, so it could be immortalized forever. And, uh, I, I really yeah. am all about that, you know? Oh, okay. How about this? How about this? If if you posted like a video of you tying your shoes one day, and it gets like 
10,000 views on it. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. It's weird. It's like the damn Daniel It could thing. totally happen. Yeah, yeah. And then, like, like Skechers is like, I want you to make 20 more videos like that, and we'll give you $20,000 each. Like, yeah, right? Yeah. You got to be like, all right, let's do this. I'm going to make I'm gonna make the best shoe tie-in video I can make ever. Yeah. Is, is that what you think it is? I think that's totally what it is. Because I wow. think they all wanted to be skaters. I mean, I think majority of them, were they always have skating in them, but I think a lot of them want to be professional skaters. I know mm-hmm. for sure Bam Margera is one of the people that want to be professional. Mm-hmm. Um, I know uh, originally uh, Steve-O, came to uh rick whatever his name is um because he was the editor of a skating magazine that's right you know mm-hmm. uh so i i don't think this was like what they all want to do Steve wanted to be a stuntman there we go so they all had all these other dreams but yeah. as soon as they found out that people mm-hmm. are willing to pay them you know and they have in like they become leaders they don't have to really answer up to anybody you that's know that's very true why not I'm just going to take it for all it's worth. You I mean, I would do it, you know. I, I, see, but I could never hang out with the jackass people. I could no. never because I would always be on guard. I, I would always have to be guard yeah. myself, sleep with yeah. one eye open. Yeah. Wake up with, like, like, like pig comb my ear or something. It's weird. It's yeah. weird just hanging with them. You know, you're, you're, cha- you're changing the way that I, that I see these things because, like, now I wonder, you know, like Kanye will talk about, um, you know, synesthesia and, you know, playing with textures and things like that, you know. Um, he's like a Picasso in a big mm-hmm. way. But I wonder, like, if, if he's, if if being a mogul is really what this is about, you know. Um, like, his wife makes a fuckload of money. She's good, you know. Mm-hmm. She's a mogul. She has her hands in, like, 20 yeah. different pots, you know. Let someone else have it, Kanye. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if he, I, I mean, like, like Diddy. You know, is is that what he's going for? Is that what he's going for? I don't know. You or do know you what? think like I really got to make these shoes because it makes me feel this way? Yeah. You know, because I think uh, he just know? wants to be Da Vinci. I think he just wants to be considered one of the greatest artists of all time. And the only way to do that is to be successful at multiple different things. You know, if he was in a movie, he'd be like, "This is the greatest movie of all time." Spike Lee couldn't have done better. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, or if uh, I don't know, like. His wife has to be the best wife in the world, even though she's had numerous different reputation problems. Sure. <laughs> Let's sure. say that. Yeah. So, like, no matter what he does, because he wants to be considered one of the best artists ever, right? He's going to have to hype it up, you know? That that sweater, Kanye, clearly was eaten by rats, and he found it in the alley. But, you know, if you say it's the best, I feel like some of your fans are going to agree. I don't, but I know some of your fans are. Yeah. So... In order to be, in order to be the best artist, you basically have to try to be the best at everything. And even if you're not, you kind of have to like say you are, you know. And that's like the day and age of like just like the narcissism of today. Mm-hmm. Like everything comes and goes so fast, you know. You're going through like your Facebook feed or your Twitter feed, and every day there's something new, something new, something new. You kind of have to do something shocking in order to grab the people's click attention. Bait. Yeah, clickbait. You know, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but. Uh, I really, I really feel like that's kind of the direction Kanye's going. He just wants to be a good artist. But you know what would be really funny though, if like this whole time Kanye just wanted to be like a like a like a clothing designer, right? And the only reason he did music is because he knew one day yeah. they would give him a chance. I, I, I think <laughs> in a way that's what it is. Yeah. You know what I mean? Before he wanted to, before he was making beats and making music, I think he was. You know, he wanted to shop at Ralph, and he wanted yeah. to do all these things. He worked. He worked at a. He worked at a clothing. He worked store. at Gap. I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's true. So, and I'm sure he had a sense there. You know, I wouldn't doubt it. I wouldn't doubt it. And I think he is trying to translate. And I only mention him because he's he's really widely known. Yeah. Um, and I just you know got touched by you know his spirit the other day. But yeah. uh, I prefer Drake. I, I, really? I worked at Irwin Center. I I'm feel like audio engineer. You know, I, I just found out. Did you have you heard uh, Blonde yet? By Frank Ocean. 
Oh, oh. Um, I feel like that's what Drake's trying to be. And I realized, oh, no, you're not. You can't. You don't know how to do that. Never mind. I don't know. I don't know. I don't you got to check it out. You like, really I, I will check it. out Blonde, but I don't yeah. feel like I feel like Drake is like the perfect artist. I feel you like really Drake, think so? I feel like Drake is like he's a singer, rapper. Uh, he, he's able to maintain his popularity. You know, he doesn't have to like belittle other people True. in order to get the fame like he i would never i would never expect drake to go up to beyonce and jay-z mm-hmm. and just grab the mic and be like okay i know you had your moment <laughs> like, right, right, you know right. he's not one of those but he's still able to maintain and he has one of the greatest intellects when it comes to lyricism like you think it. we're going to talk about drake in 20 years yes you really do yes if not for degrassi for someone else you right know? yeah <laughs> And plus, Drake's not even married. Wait till Drake gets married. Wait, like, as soon as Drake gets married, you know, everybody's like, oh, Drake got married. The Simp King is settled down. The Simp King is settled down. <laughs> wow, man. You think, he'll put a, you think he'll put a ring on Rihanna? You think that'll be the thing? I hope not. That's, ew. Ew. Yeah, ew. Yeah. Good God. That's where it's going. No, don't do that. I no. think I think this is all just for show, for play play, yo. You think so? Absolutely. I don't. I don't even think he hits it. You know what I've thought about, though? <laughs> I, don't, I don't even think so. But you know what I thought about? I heard Drake perform, um, do, like, a stand-up on um, Saturday Night Live, right? Yeah, I remember and, that. Uh, he has a real feminine voice, like, and I was like, what if Drake's gay? <laughs> like, that would be the bombshell. That would be. That would be the bombshell yeah. that would just completely, like, break the hip-hop industry, you know? Yeah. Like, the Simp King, the dude who was, like, who had all these these chicks from Texas to Atlanta, Houston, Atlanta, Vegas, you know? He, he He's rapping about King of Diamonds, you know? He, he's he's making videos with, like, like strippers and whatnot and whatnot. But this whole time, he's been gay. I would love that. <laughs> I would love that. <laughs> that would make me go back to his first record and you hear it. just re-listen. Yeah. Like, See, but Frank Ocean is, is I think, buying. Yeah, yeah, he's open. He's, yeah, he's, he's open, open about it. But that was, like, yeah. from day one, and like, yeah. people gave him a hard time. But if he's a good artist, nobody will care, you know? Yeah, but if, he, cares. if he's a bad artist, then they'll go in on him. You know, like, That's true. He sucks because he ain't getting no dick. Like, or right. something like that. Right, <laughs> they'll right, always right. say something, yeah. No, it's it, true, man. Um, tell me about when when you were a little kid, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, what what kind of, who was Pseudonym Jones when he was a, when he was eight? What kind of, What got you off at that time? I don't know. Are you going to, like, fact check? You could do some fact check. No, I mean, uh, did you have, like, a, a, an older yeah. brother or somebody, yeah. older cousins that kind yeah. of was like, here, you got to listen to this. You got to watch this, you know? They found me on a boat in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. Gotcha. And they took me to a naval base. Wow. And someone adopted me. But, no, I had an older brother, though. Yeah. Um, I'm just saying this stuff because I know you're not going to fact check it. But, yeah, no, <laughs> no of with, that, with that being said, yo. Um, so, I have an older brother. Uh, he was big into, like... Like, hip-hop, um, he's 12 years older than me, so, like, when I was born, he was 12 years old. Um, I only uh, lived with uh, my original mother for about four years, to the age of four. Then I went to go live with my father, and then, um, so, uh, me and my brother separated. You know, from there, uh, we didn't talk for, you know, a few years, and we're trying to rebuild that bridge, but it's difficult, you know. Mom, Different generation, do you think? No, no, he's resented the fact that... Uh, you know, his father was never in his life, and my father was. And oh, so, okay. yeah. Uh, he's resented me for the ability to for me to grow up with my father, and he had to live with my mom, and my mom was, like, super emotional. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah this is an understatement. I see. But, I mean, he's got to be, like, what, almost 40 now? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, he can't worry about that no more. I know, I know, but, like, it's like... I don't I don't know who he is. It's like, it's like we've, we've had so many life situations, so many life scenarios. He's... He's lived majority of his life. You know, I've only been in and out maybe five years of his almost 40 years, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. 
I wasn't there when he got married. I was like, I know so little about him and who he is. Some was like, should we even waste the time? You know, of course, he might have a kidney that I need in a few years. You know, but other than that, we have really no connection. And so it's like, ah, oh, man, I might as well just not even talk to him or not even bother him. If he wants to reach out to me, it's cool. You know, but I'm always here. I'm the one that's going to be more likely to reach out. I guess because I'm the one who, like, longed for, like, a, a brotherly, um, you know, figure, you mm-hmm, know. Mm-hmm. But he was like, whatever. If I don't have a little brother, whatever, you know. And so then I'm usually the one that wants to, like, reach out more and he'll, like, ignore my call. So I'm just, I'm giving it up, you know. Yeah. I know that when I become super successful, then he'll be back. <laughs> he'll be there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, probably. I think so. Yeah, I know. I know. All of a sudden, you're, uh, all of a sudden, you're gonna have fifty some cousins. I, it always happens. It always yeah. happens. And I already have fifty some now. I can't even imagine if I made it, but you know. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and did he ever give you like any gems along the way? No. Never. No. Okay. So, what were some of your influences in terms of the things that that got your dick hard as a little kid? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> so you say it so eloquently like that. Yeah. Um, uh, Dragon Ball Z that was a big influence, gotcha. you know, like yeah. like Goku. He wasn't from Earth, but then he felt that he had a need to protect Earth. And, you know, he uh, he didn't go looking for trouble, but he always wanted to prove that he was, like, one of the strongest, one of the most capable, you know. He did what he had to do, you know. Uh, also my father. Um, some religion, but not, not nearly as much as, like, Dragon Ball Z. Because Dragon Ball Z was, like, my religion, you know. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. It has proverbs and stories and characters and whatever. That's, I mean, he, 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 uh, I mean, he's a lot cooler than Jesus. Jesus. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. I mean, Jesus could heal and walk on water, but, you know, Goku. I mean, like, but, but what did Jesus squat? You know? <laughs> what, did, what did he squat? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So Yeah, he didn't bench that much. You're right. Yeah, yeah, You're yeah. Right. I'm pretty sure his calves were pretty weak, <laughs> you know. Um, so, but Goku, on the other hand, you know, there's a lot of hard work there. You know, for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and that's not something that you should teach a child, you know. I think you so. Know, nothing's ever achieved without hard work. You know? That's right. Yeah. And I, and I and I think that's where I, I really learned a lot from. Um, also, parents parents who were, like, like uh, really down to earth, you know. Uh, they struggled for a long time, you know. you know. Both were born dirt poor, and they had to struggle through a system. You know, my father was born in 1942, so he had to live through the 60s, Martin Luther King. Malcolm X, Medgar Evers, and he was in his 20s when, wow. when all that was happening. And so it made, really made a big uh, imprint on him in who he was and what he wanted to represent to the world. And like I said, he was born completely poor, and he worked his way up, and uh, now he's in the Texas Hall of Fame. And so uh, basically he always had like a lot of dignity about him, and uh, he wanted to bestow that in me. Did he? Uh, more or less, more or less. And, you how, know, did, and how did he do that? Um... Beatings, lots of beatings. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, no. He, he punched the dignity <laughs> yeah, into you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You better, you better straighten up. I'll straighten you up now. Um, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, yeah. No, it's something totally wrong with that. Yeah, yeah. Does, he say, does he say I love you? <laughs> yeah. Does he? Yeah, he says I love you. Yeah. Okay, yeah. that's that's good. That's good. Now that's no. more than most people. Yeah, for yeah. Sure. Most people just get a beating. Yeah, yeah. if they're lucky. <laughs> yeah. did, did he ever share? Um, I mean, like, how did you get into making beats? I mean, how do you, how do you start uh, that? Well, um, how, how do you know that's something that you that, well, that is even achievable? So uh, I grew up more suburban, and um, all my friends, though, were, like, in the hood. And so, um, like, I'd have to, like, like, my white friends would be, like, a, different, a certain way, you know? Like, they'd be like, oh, dude, let's hang out and play Madden or something, right? Mm-hmm. My black friends were like, oh, bro, let's let's rap. Let's rap. And so then, like, 
uh, they started getting me into making like hip hop music, and then I picked up the guitar, and then I wanted to somehow incorporate my guitar into like the hip hop music. Uh, and this was about fifteen or sixteen, right? And so then uh, I was like, okay, I really like this. I really want to try to make make this stick, right? And so. Um, I decided to go to college for it. Uh, the, the Art Institute of Washington, D.C. I went there oh, wow. for five years, transferred to the Art Institute of Austin, graduated. And uh, along the way, I was able to learn as much as I could, uh, you know, teach you, like, everything from composing, taking that compositional knowledge from the piano, putting it onto a MIDI keyboard, and then taking that MIDI keyboard and, you know, adding in different instruments, you know, instead of playing out the, the piano, it'll play out a violin, you know, using the same notes, or a trumpet using the same notes. And then the ability to edit that and move things around and rearrange. Excuse me. And, and how did you edit that at the time, being uh, 16? Oh, how did I? Okay, well, um, I, didn't, I didn't go to the artist student until I was 20. 20. Oh, okay. So okay. I, uh, starting at 16, I used to just play around a lot, uh, meet as many people as I could, jam with different people, uh, go to the music store, just play with different people. I even worked at a music store. Um, Learn as much as I could. One of the main figures was Bob Marley. My mom's Jamaican, so I was like, "Oh my God, here's this person, and he looks so different than everybody else, and mm-hmm. he carries this energy, and he just he wants to be positive and wants to help the world." And you know, as I started reading and seeing how he was able to change the culture, shape the culture, you know, it seemed like you know something that was up there with with being president, or you know, something that was up there with you know being a dignitary for your country or for your state, you know. Wow. Um, by by able to by being able to play music or creating these songs that are so wonderful to so many people, you you raise from being a common man to something of a demigod, you know, just because of how you sing the song, you know, you can get hotel rooms for free, or just because of how you play this piano, you could you could you know I don't know get a million dollars, whatever. Um, so these are things that were like, oh man, all I have to do is just like like do this, and you know. I mean, it's the same thing as, like, like, I feel like politicians do. You know, they just meet each other, talk BS, you know, you know, what are you doing this Sunday? What are you doing this Tuesday? Whatever, whatever. How do you feel about these certain deals? And then they sign stuff, and they get paid millions of dollars, right? Right. I feel like at least as a musician, I have to practice every day to get better at this skill. I have to practice every day to get better at guitar, you know? I got to practice every day to write a new song. I, I, I got to do all these things that I bring to society. To me, it seems like... Way more complex than what politicians do, you know. But it's not as complex as a heart doctor or a brain surgeon. So, right. You know? Somewhere in the middle. Yeah, somewhere in the middle. <laughs> Happily in the middle right there. Wow. Now, who, uh, did you finish the school? Yeah, yeah. I'm done. Yeah? Yeah. And uh, did you meet anybody that you still talk to today? Yeah, I only finished school like 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 six days ago. No way. Yeah, bro. Um, the day of Kanye. Well, congratulations. Yeah, I was supposed to work the Kanye show. Um, yeah. I work at the Frank Irwin Center. I'm audio engineer, Long Center, Bass Concert Hall, Frank Irwin Center. So I see all these concerts and shows. That's how I got to work the Drake show. So I was supposed to work the Kanye show, but the day that the Kanye was happening is I was graduating on that day, right? Which was last Wednesday or the Wednesday. Wow. Wednesday yeah. And so, uh, congrats, man! That's a big deal. Oh, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> that's a big deal, man. That's gotta yeah. make that's gotta make mom and dad pretty happy, though. Yeah, it makes them happier than me because all of my heroes they didn't they didn't even finish high school barely. You I know? know, I don't. Yeah. Uh, so, like, majority of like the the entertainers, majority of the artists, musicians, majority of you know the, the startup companies, you know, Mark Zuckerberg, uh, Bill Gates. These are people Steve that didn't. Jobs. Yes, Steve Jobs. These are people that didn't even finish college. Some of them didn't even finish high school, and they were able to make all their dreams possible. And it just made me feel like, am I just wasting my money, uh, you know, doing schoolwork? I'm doing all these projects for teachers and, and for my, my principal and all these people. And now like that, that it's over, do you feel like that was a waste of time? To tell you the truth, now like no one's asked me that. No one like no one's asked me that. But to tell you the truth, 
Yes. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Um, I learned a lot, yes. But nothing that I wouldn't have learned if I just YouTubed it. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I think the best aspect was that I actually got my hands on a multi-million dollar console and I can actually touch the faders and move the knobs and everything and have a real life example uh, like that. But, you know, you could go to a concert hall and have the same exact example. or You can go to like a, uh, a recording studio and, and then have that exact same, you know, um, replication of, of of, of experimentation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, if you just combine like the, the knowledge from YouTube with the uh, rare real-life scenarios that you get to have hands-on uh, ability to work some of this technology, then you'll be at the same place that I was, that, I, that I'm at now, and in my opinion. And I, I really feel like I waste a lot of money, you know? How many years were you there? Too long. Okay. I've uh, been in college for eight years. So, and I was at so the Art Institute for six. In your, in your, in your fifth year... And you realized I'm not finished yet. Yeah. What, what did you tell yourself to, to to finish? Okay, it was like so many elements going into this, right? So then um, I was playing music uh, at 18 when I graduated from high school, right? And so um, I decided to go to Eastern Illinois University. It's about two hours south of Chicago, right? So then I brought my guitars, and I was I was pre-med. I was a, was a bio student. So then I'm taking all these classes, and for two years, I'm doing the, the pre-med route, but I'm playing guitar at night and everything like that, right? I find that I'm doing more guitar playing than actually, you know, going to classes, really. And so um, it's almost like I just want to do music more than, you know, be pre-med and everything like that. So then uh, around 20, so 18 to 20, I was at Eastern. Then I tr- switched to the Art Institute of Washington, D.C., because they they offered a uh, bachelor's degree in audio engineering. And uh, if I would have done more research, then I would have found that Eastern Illinois University also offered a bachelor's in audio engineering, but I didn't do enough research, so I transferred to the Art, Art Institute of Washington, D.C. The difference between Eastern Illinois University and the Art Institute is that the Art Institute is a for-profit uh, college. And so that means that it's not subsidized by the state or federal government. So... All of its money and its revenue, it gets directly from the student's tuition, right? And that means that it it has to charge the students a lot more. It has to offer more BS classes. You get less amenities, things such as that. A whole slew of things. I don't know if, if you're familiar with Trump University, but it's something very similar to Trump University. In fact, Trump is friends with Goldman Sachs, the creator of the Art Institute, things like that. I have this whole spiel going into it, right? Mm-hmm. But with that being said... In order for me to graduate the Art Institute of Washington, right, I had to submit 10 projects to four teachers, right, which is different than, like, a standard college or university, which you can test out of or write a paper and get out of it. So at four years in, right, um, I'm about to graduate. It's only supposed to be a three-year program. I'm at year four, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm taking the finals in which I have to submit the 10 projects. I have the 10 projects. I have to submit them to the four professors, right? Well, one of the professors in the group, I had gotten into, like, I guess, like, a, like a, verbal, a verbal argument with him. Like, like saying that he was just a professor. Who was he to tell me that, you know, my, my art or my music, you know, wasn't, wasn't good enough or, or lacked this quality or this quality? Everything is subjective and opinionated, right? Especially when it comes to art. And so uh, he didn't like that a lot. And so uh, he never passed me. And so I spent a whole year, you know, just trying to pass these last three classes, right? Mm-hmm. And I felt that I couldn't, I couldn't surpass this. And so 
I decided to switch to the artist to Austin, so that's when I transferred down here. And everything moved over? See, that's a problem. <laughs> that's a problem. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. You would think that it would, but no. All the exact same technology, the exact same major, but because it's a different location, they said that I have to do one-fourth of the same credits again, right? Wow. So that meant that I had to stay at the Institute for about a year and a half, and almost again, two that, years. Once that again, like, that sounds like business right there. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was... Okay, see, a for-profit college, because it's not compensated by the state government or the federal government, it means that they can allow into the school anybody they want. They don't have to be held to uh, testing standards. And uh, they, can, they can advocate for as many student, uh, student loan tuitions as possible, right? Uh, something that happened very similar that happened that less than like two or three weeks ago was ITT Technical Institute. ITT Technical is another for-profit school. That means it's not subsidized by the state or federal government, et cetera, et cetera. Well, the Federal uh, Board of Education, U.S. Board of Education, or Department of Education, uh, decided that students could no longer take tuition federally from the ITT Technical Institute. Uh, and so basically because no, no students could take f- uh, federal loans, 80% of the revenue from ITT Technical Institute was coming from student loans, right? And since students could no longer take, take out federal loans, mm-hmm. the school went under. So overnight, over, what, 40,000 people were out of jobs and or out of a school to go to. Holy shit. Yeah, yeah. So, and that's, that's the difference between a for-profit and a state-funded mm-hmm. or federally-funded school, you know? Wow. And so that's where I was going to, and that's when I soon realized that this was like uh, – like a Ponzi scheme, man. Like, yeah. uh, yes, they're teaching me how to record, you know, but a lot of these classes are saying the same things. Uh, a lot of these classes are asking me to buy the same materials multiple times. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm paying more more for this college than I am for Austin Community College, and we don't have a cafeteria. You know, all we have right. are a couple of microwaves and things like that, you know. So uh, that's one of the reasons why I'm a little bitter about it. But No, uh, no I get it. Um, that's one of the reasons why I... You know, in 07 or whenever it was, I had a girlfriend at the time who was like, go to school. You know, like your filmmaking is not real. And I was like, okay. (laughs) You know, and it was one of those things where, um, you know, was thinking with my dick or whatever. And (laughs) one day I one day I rented There Will Be Blood and I was supposed to go to school. In, in like an hour and I was like I'll watch 30 minutes and then I'll I'll go and I ended up watching that movie three times in a row Whoa. and I was like I, what? I was like fuck I, I no like school was not for me yeah. you know it's for some people you know my girlfriend's getting her masters and yes. you know she's almost there and I'm very proud of her and that's great and she's it's gonna open doors for her but for me it just that just wasn't my bag mm-hmm. I just wasn't that my wiring was never in sync with that I saw right away that um, you know I wanted to get out while I could in terms of the money you know I don't know what your what your debt situation is like I hope it's you know very very sparse there's like 120k yeah you know is it worth it I mean you could say you could say my brain is worth that much yeah that is how much you know money I put into my brain yeah. and I can I can get behind that but um, I knew I was like you know, a lot of my, I call them my dads, you know, because I never had a dad, but like, you know, like a Quentin Tarantino, this guy dropped out when he was a freshman, you know, in high school. And like a guy like Eminem dropped out when he was a freshman in high school and all these things. I was like, if you're just that goddamn good and you put in the work, you're going to be fine. I just, I believe that. I still believe that to this day. And I never got that college education, you know. So I feel you there, you know. Um, I kind of feel like it is a business, you know, there's entrepreneurs that never went to school, you know, that's just what it is. 
And um, if you if you have like that emotional intelligence and if you're self-aware, I think that is almost more important and more vital than than any random degree. Yeah, I often find that uh, people who went to school oftentimes work for people who didn't go to school. It's just like really weird because like I was always told that like you got to go to college to be a leader, but right. then like a lot of the most successful people dropped out. It's crazy. True. And I think it's a small percentage, you know. I, I can easily say it's like a small, small percentage. But the fact that they're there and that they exist, yeah, that's the crazy part of it all. College has, like, what, more than doubled in terms of its cost in the past 20 yeah. years? Yeah. More than doubled? It used to be free. You know that? Like, like in, the, in the 40s and 50s. I think my mother paid, like, 500 bucks a semester. Yeah. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's really fucked up. I mean, you would feel like America would want like to have all the college-educated people they could they could get, right? But they don't. Yeah, no, they really so don't. Weird. No, they don't. I mean, I don't want to get into that, you know, down that yeah, yeah, rabbit yeah, hole. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. We can talk about conspiracies all day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, you know, I, so you know, you just graduated four days ago. You yeah, know, once yeah. again, I think that's a big deal. You know what I mean? Um, because it's irreversible. Uh, what 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 kind of doors do you think? Are you looking for jobs? You know, what kind of doors is that open for you? Well, I've, I've had jobs. I, I've been working this whole time. Um, like I said, the Long Center, Bass Concert Hall, Frank Irwin Are Center. you looking for a... Those are all badass. Yeah, yeah. Way. But what I'd want to do, right? Are you looking for a career? Like, are you looking for... I'm going to ride that all the way in yeah. for 20, 30 years? I, I want to be the best guitarist in Austin. You know, wow. that's like always been like my, my, my long-term dream, you know? It's funny, like when you when we were emailing each other, which that was weird. Yeah. Emailing. But, yeah, uh, emails. Good guy. <laughs> like, we were emailing each other, and I was like, I should... Didn't I give this guy my number? But, um... You were like, should I bring anything? And I didn't know what you're, what you did yet. Yeah. You know. Um. And so I was gonna be like, um, got a couple body parts over here. Because had <laughs> I known, I would have been like, bring that fucking piano glove. Bring yeah. the glove. I would have yeah. said. But yeah. uh, but uh, no. I mean, um, <laughs> yeah. That's one thing I've always envied about musicians. I have some friends that are like crazy guitarists that like get. I, I get depressed hanging around with them. That they piss it away. You know, they piss their skills away. But uh, as a as a filmmaker, even as a podcaster at best, you know, um, I can't go to the corner and, and make money out of that. Like, I have to, I mean, filmmaking is, like, the most expensive medium, for fuck's sake, outside of fashion, you know? Yeah. And, um... Yeah, we do, like, Craigslist, you know, like, uh, casual encounters, and they're always like, yeah, we're totally down for anything, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and I know you get those ideas, you're just like, yeah, yeah, well, sure. they probably need some kind of, like, family family photo or family video or something. Yeah, <laughs> and that's not something I want to do. You know, that yeah, that doesn't know. make me happy. That doesn't, yeah. you know? It really, really doesn't. That's not, I don't want to, you know, the equivalent is, like, working for a movie and, like, holding a, a boom for somebody else. Yeah. Like, I don't want to do that. And yeah. it's not because I'm not a team player. It's not that. But it's like uh, I want to make I want to make <laughs> yeah. my own products, and I just want to put them out there, and then work on the next thing. Like it's the art, it's the journey, you know, it's the art of creation that really gets me off. But um, where was I going with this? You know, I, I really envy filmmakers, and I mean, uh, you know, musicians, on the street great corners. filmmakers. But I envy musicians on the street corners because they can show you what they're all about. Yeah. Even the guys that are hitting buckets on Sixth Street, you know, yeah. like I envy them. So if you want to be the greatest musician and you know, the greatest guitarist, rather, in, in Austin, I envy that because I can see you doing that and I can see you wowing anybody in your vicinity at any time. You know, if you worked at a Starbucks, you could take your acoustic guitar on breaks and have a crowd around you. Mm -hmm. That's what I would do if I was a musician, you know. I tried the guitar thing and I was just like, I saw the all, like, you know, if it was a formula on a chalkboard, it was never ending to me. And I was mm -hmm. like, I can't even, I'm not going to start at one. Like, yeah. I just can't, I'm never yeah. going to get there, you know? Yeah, and, it is never ending. Yeah. It's the hard it, part about music. You that's know. really <sighs> hard. But with filmmaking, I was like, you know, I, 
it was I guess the thing that I was always good at there was screenwriting. Yeah. Like that was I knew how to do that. Yeah. Where I was from, there was a you know a population of a million people. I have a you know big enough balls to say top three greatest screenwriters over there but i really want to say number one yeah you know i'll say top three to be gracious but uh that was one thing that i put in like you know 12 14 years in and and i knew how to articulate ideas and get people and recruit people and do that and find the right people that can put you know my thing over and that's how i've been able to get this far but that's not i can't show you that and at the end of the day like you spend thousands of dollars on a movie and and it's a little blu-ray that you give to people yeah that's your product and they have to take the time and attention to to watch that it's like fuck it's really sad you know in a way um i feel like if the you know the girl that has um fifty thousand instagram followers Mm -hmm. gets more recognition or what have you than the guy that you know took four years to make a movie yeah you know or you know i would take it a step further and say that the guy that can go on a soapbox and play guitar in front of a lot of people like that right there i mean you i'd imagine that's when you feel the most alive you know what i mean so if you want to be the greatest guitarist in austin I can see that. I can actually see that. Whereas, you know, in almost other mediums, like how do you how do you even go about that? When do you get that recognition? You know, you can't show people. A lot of it's like you you you, you know, with a guitarist, like you get rewarded in public for what you practice in private. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? For for stand up, it's about failure. You know, I have to go out there and fail more than anybody to have one joke. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I appreciate all these things, but uh, some people make make their whole set about failing. It's yeah, just, like phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Those guys, you know, they they totally get it. And like I, self, and I love self-deprecating, that. like like Louis C.K. Yeah, very self-deprecating. Yeah, big time. You know, he'll talk about it because four-inch dick or whatever, and you know, people laugh because they're like <laughs> me too. You know, and I and I get that. And there's money in that. You know, and there's value in it. But um, how are you going to know when you're the when you're the greatest guitarist down here? Somebody will tell me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. It'll be like this. It'll be like when you're like one of the the, the best like like um, gunslingers in the West. You know, all all of the quote unquote best are gonna come to you and try to try to duel you out. But you gotta you gotta be the last one standing. So yeah. when I get to the point where I have some of the best coming to duel me, mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like I'll be there. Um, you know, how long do you want to stay in Austin? Until until something better comes along, to yeah. tell you the truth, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm one of those multiple streams of revenue people, you know. Like um, I'm doing my music every day, every night. But you know, if there's if this, people that make real money doing what you want to do, y- yeah, that, yeah, that that have houses, houses, yeah, down here doing what you want to do. So it's it's likely, yeah. and it's a good place. Like music, to, like like for yeah, just music. Oh yeah, I don't know, but, but I mean, when I, when I was a maid, I, yeah. I, I would uh, clean pe- like musicians' house houses and uh, i was like how did how did a drummer get this two-story house like how did that happen you know but um but they're there they're out there you know what i mean so you can totally do it and also you know i don't know if la is like your thing or new york but uh this is a good place in terms of you know a lot of talent a lot of people you know the 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 state of mind that that is around here it is weird and uh and i think the cost of living helps as well yeah. it's not as exp- i mean you, yeah. new york you is like twice yeah. as expensive oh absolutely you got to make like six figures just to have an apartment there that's fucked up yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this isn't so bad you know uh even though where i come from this place is like twice or three times as expensive but uh there's 10 times more uh opportunity yeah and there's 40,000 times more value so uh now this was the right decision for me and i i can kind of see me making camp here for a very very long time yeah you know uh, i have a 10 year old son and a two-year-old daughter and i can see my daughter going to college here How if she wanted you, to i'm 28 28 yeah you're going on here 28 what's so funny <laughs> i don't know you say 
yeah, okay. You you were going on me. You said like I remember being that age. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because I do, man. You know, twenty six. You know, I remember being that age. You know, I do, but I do though. And you know, it was a great time. But you know, I made my first film. Twenty fourteen. I made my first film in 2012. I was 24, and I thought I was old. Like, I thought, like, what took me so fucking long? Yeah, I feel old. You know, the, the, yeah. the Beatles, they did their whole thing in their 20s. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Paul Thomas Anderson, one of my favorite filmmakers, he made his first uh, four his first four films in when he in, before he was 40. You know what I mean? And he did his first three, which are, like, masterpieces yeah. in his 20s. And Coppola? Like, Coppola was, like, 40, under 40 when he did, oh, like, yeah. Godfather oh, 1 yeah. and 2. Apocalypse Now and all that shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, um... And so for me, like, being 24 and hadn't really done anything, uh, the thing that handicapped me was being an aspiring filmmaker. I hated that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I wanted to be a guy that was like, here, watch my shit. You know what I mean? And uh, so being 26, I'm just like, but I realized I was too hard on myself being 24. You know, I did the right thing, but I was really hard on myself. I was still very young. I'm still very young, you know. Um, you know what I also feel about filmmakers? You have a much harder job of having to almost, like, build this idea, you know? I think as, like, a musician, you could be a solo musician. All you need is the instrument. But, like, to be a filmmaker, you know, finding the people. Like, you have to write a script and then find the people capable of pursuing these ideas you have in your head. And manage these dozens of people's time. Yes. Yeah, that's really hard. And expensive in terms of not just money, but in terms of time. Yes. If you look at time as the most precious commodity, uh, you know, you have to ask yourself, do I want to spend two years doing this one thing? You know, that's that's hard. That's really hard. Um, I'm a big fan. You know, I like DVDs. You, you probably like DVDs, but I like the director commentary. You know, I only got it. Yeah, I only get yeah. DVD comment like uh, DVD if it has director commentary on it. Right. One of the funniest is Tropical Thunder. I, know I love that. Look I fell in love you. with Robert Downey, who did the whole thing <laughs> yeah. in character. Yeah, yeah. Sergeant Osiris. Just, yeah. just look at you. <laughs> like, yeah. it, was, it was too funny. Yeah. But uh, another one um, is if you watch uh, Jason Goes to Hell. Okay. Uh, that one has a director commentary. And uh, it was these, like, 23 and 24-year-olds, first time ever, wow. yeah, ever, like, directing a movie, right? Wow. And um, they were in charge of, like, over 100-some people. And uh, they were, they almost had, like, no idea what they were doing. And he talked about, like, the whole thing and, like, how, like, they broke it down and having to, like, work with everybody. <laughs> and, like, they had, like, a ratio. Like, every seven minutes of murder, every other seven minutes breasts. Like, so they had, like, this ratio to, to wow. keep. But it was the 80s, so, you know, you yeah, can't yeah, judge yeah. them. <laughs> you know, let me ask you, uh, and trigger warning for those people listening and trigger warning for yourself, but um, have you ever been... Um, raped let me finish in terms of you know you made something that you loved and it was taken away from you or you made something or you got into a partnership with somebody and they stole something away from you kind of not unlike facebook you know and things like that have you ever been taken advantage of in terms of you know creatively oh yeah 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 yeah. okay Um, i felt like whoa you got there you're in there right now yeah i was seeing it i was living it I was reliving it. PTSD right there. Tell tell me more about that and tell me what you learned from it. PTSD for sure. Um, Well, um, I'll I'll tell you an easy one. You know, um, I've worked on this uh, music video, some of my first music videos with a friend back in the D.C. area. And uh, I did like the the filming, did the editing, made the beat. Uh, All they did was just put like their verse on it and show up for the music video. You know, I edited the video. I had the camera, everything. Yeah. Okay, and uh, so basically, uh, when the video started to accumulate, you know, I had his, like, 
his name on there, like gave him credits, right? But it, the video was under my YouTube channel. It wasn't like we had like a group YouTube channel, right? And and uh, he was like, "Oh, you're making you're making all this money off of the YouTube channel," and it, it only had like ten thousand views on it. It wasn't that much, you know. And I was like, "I'm not making any money. I'm not making any money." And he's like, "But bro, bro, if you're making money, man, you better split it with me." And I'm like, "Bro, I'm not making any money. If you if you want to see for yourself, bro, you can have the video here." And put it on your own YouTube channel, you know? Mm-hmm. And he did that, but he didn't get as many views, and so he was so mad. And then I was like, I was like, dude, you're, you're, we both had a video. I, it was a really hard place to be, you know? Because I, I, I just know did what... Did you consider this guy a friend? Yeah, 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 yeah. But, like, I, I was telling him, I, like, I haven't made any money, you know? Um, like, some of the views I actually had bought, you know? And... Uh, he was like, no, nah, I don't believe you, man. So then he contacted YouTube, and he told him that, uh, like, there was copyright infringement on the video, and so then they took it down and lost 10,000 views over nothing, you know. And I was like, oh, that's super lame, you know. Um, wow. There are times where I've been, like, offered money. You know, I had to DJ for Rich Boy. I don't know if you know who Rich Boy is. Uh, uh, throw some Ds on it. Just bought a Cadillac, like, early 2000s. So, um I'm DJing. This was back in like 2010, 2011, maybe. Yeah, yeah. And so then I'm DJing at this club. It's called uh, Empire Club. And Rich Boy came through, and I was supposed to get like three hundred fifty dollars for the night, right? And then uh, the person who's gonna pay me, the manager, uh, by the time I was leaving, he was nowhere to be found, right? So then you know I couldn't stay there for like an hour and a half, two hours waiting for him. So then I'm on my way home, and I'm trying to call him, call him, call him, and then. Uh, he picks up the phone after like the seventh time, and he's like, "Yeah, my bad, dude. Uh, we didn't. I didn't. I didn't make that much tonight. All right. Uh, thanks, though, for coming through." And then he like he hung up, and so then. Uh, and you have to go back, and you have to remember how you, you know, negotiated yourself there, and yeah. you realize this guy from from word one was gonna fuck me. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, and that's hard. I think that's the hard part about being a uh, musician is like you want so badly to trust people. You know, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that's like almost an artist in general. You want so badly to trust people that these people want your best interests, right? But a lot of times, you know, if they're struggling just as much as you, they might be just as likely to. to and there's stab also you in the back. people that are in the business, even in your own medium, that don't subscribe and never had any intention of in subscribing to that code of honor yeah. and, and to begin with yeah you know like you know those people that that promoter whoever it was like they don't value the 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 creativity yeah. of what you did yeah you know what i mean it's the money it was the money from from the get-go yeah it's hard to you know when some of these people are the gatekeepers and you have to trust them and uh, and they bend you over and fuck you without the courtesy of pulling your hair back it hurts. <laughs> Is that from experience? 100%. Yeah, for sure, man. You know, um, uh, I always have to be careful about talking about this just because there's people that, you know, um, say they want to sue me. That's what they say, but yeah. I haven't seen anything. Um, no lawyers have contacted you yet? Not yet, but, um, and I doubt they will, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but there's people that I did a movie with who stole the movie from me, and I put, you know, um, seven thousand dollars which is a fuckload of money for me um especially a guy with a family mm. putting that much money into a movie because i i believed in it but i was seduced from from day one and when i go back and i look at those memories that timeline i realized this guy was gonna fuck me that was mm. his plan b if if x didn't work out for him and uh that really hurts you know and but it made me so much wiser you know uh, after you get raped for lack of a better word um and i say that because there was no consent there um, and, and after you get hurt and abused and all these things, um, 
I know people that would have tapped out. That would have been it for them. They're done. Their career was over. It didn't work out. That's the story of them. For me, it, I never contemplated quitting or anything. It was just like, not only can that never happen to me again, but I don't want that to happen to anybody I ever meet, mm. you know, because it really hurts. And you look back at those feelings and you're like, this guy was going to fuck me. That was what he was out for if this didn't work. And he decided really early on that, that, it, that it wasn't going to work. You know what I mean? And stuff like that. Yeah. So with filmmaking, it's really, really hard because you want everybody to, to succeed. If, if, mm-hmm. if you're working with 50 people, you want them all to succeed. You yeah. really do. You know? And it falls on you. And at the end of the day, my, my name's on the film, so I feel like I, t- I took the heat. But um, mm-hmm. that happens, you know? And it taught me really early on like, to do things by myself, you know? to be a guy that... Um, to do things by myself, and if I'm going to sign something, it has to be no downside, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. um, little things like that. And, and that's something that maybe school can teach you, I'd imagine so, to keep your guard up or whatever. But you really got to get knocked down. You got to get a concussion. You got to fucking break your jaw sometimes to, to know I got to pick up my, my fists to protect my face. You know what I mean? That's just I, I, I believe that's the way it is either. You know, uh, it's one way or the other. But uh, I mean, that's why I ask, because. Um, I feel like it does make you a better businessman and it makes you a better artist and it makes you a better human being. You know, there's character there. It's not like your heroes never got fucked over. I guarantee you they did and it was probably worse, but they kept going and I think that's invaluable, man. So that's one of the reasons why I ask. And um, yeah, you know, I'm sorry that those things happen to you, you know, but um, they're going to happen again and uh, you have to protect yourself. That's really that's really uh, important and like on this podcast, you know, to me, this whole thing is really about the origin stories of artists. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, anybody that I talk to, some people are more successful than me. Maybe I'm more down the timeline than they are. But uh, this journey is really what I want to document, and it's really what it's all about. And uh, people got to keep their guard up, man, because there's people out there that are going to fuck you. I was just watching this anime last night called Kaiji. I don't know if you ever saw it. And uh, never seen it before. Binged watched like nine episodes, like right before I went to bed. Worked a 12-hour shift yesterday. Mm, where do you work? Uh, I work for Apple. I guess I can say that. And um, I'm very lucky. Great. Best job I've ever had. You know, I want to stay there as long as I can. And I had to grow up, you know, and, and mature to be... At first, I was, like, working for the man, you know. But um, I've done everything. I've flipped burgers. I've been a waiter. I've pushed carts. Like, you name it. I've done all that grunt shit. This is the first job where the culture is everything that you've ever heard that it is. And uh, it bummed me out when you were talking about your, your school and you are like, they didn't have a cafeteria. I'm like, the cafeteria at Apple is bananas. You would shit yourself. Like, I, I, I never want to take it for granted. Anyways, and um, um, so I'm very grateful to work there. But, you know, I now... What are they, like, the headquarters? Or, like, I'm thinking, It's like a campus. Apple. It's a campus. Okay, yeah. okay. It's yeah, kind of yeah, yeah. like the, the Dell campus or, like, the Google... I've never been to either, but it's like that. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And I think it's the biggest second to the 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 one in Silicon Valley or whatever. Mm-hmm. So that that's really cool. Yeah, and it, really it's cool. impressive, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's like 1.8 million square feet. They employ 5 to 6,000 people. Like it's absurd. And I and I'm very humbled every time that I go out there because I come from a very poor place where there's nothing out there like that, you know. And uh, so it made me realize, you know what? Do this, but do you have to do all your shit on the side. You have to, you know. There's people that are making apps while working there. There's people that are trying to get their shit, but they want, but they're going to keep that income, you know. And and so I respect that. And as a guy, as a family as well, that's the way you have to go about it. But um, so it's just word to those wise, to those artists, you know, who are out there who are 18 who don't want to work for the man. You got to play the game, you know. Going back to that anime, um, I'll give you the brief synopsis because you have to watch it, dude. You'd fucking love it. I feel like if I had a uh, 
a company of, and I employed like 50 people or whatever, and I had to go through a, a training for them, like a two-week training, the first two or three days would be showing them this anime, honestly, because it's great in terms of business. But they get these people that are low lives that have so much debt in, in Japan. And they recruit all these people like a dinner for schmucks type of thing. And they put them uh, in this boat. And there's, I think, like maybe 200 of these bums um, that like steal hubcaps for money and stuff like that. And they, they give them an opportunity between $1 to $10 million. Like, hey, take out, take out some debt with us and use the money for whatever you want. But there's like an interest rate. Like, and it's like, okay, so you have to pay this money back by the end of like the ship cruise. It's really crazy. But like the game to like make our money and to like... Uh, pay all your debt on the on the mainland and pay all your debt here on the boat. The game is rock paper scissors, but it's in cards. So you have I think twelve cards, so like four paper, four rocks, four scissors, and you have to you have three stars. And each time you lose the game, you lose a star. And by the end of the four hours, you have to have three stars and you have to have no cards, and you ha- and you take out the debt for how much that you want, you know. And like the main character takes out the maximum debt, it takes out ten million dollars, and in the first five minutes, somebody goes up to him and is like, hey, let's draw. You and me will just do rock, rock, paper, paper, and we'll draw our cards. We'll keep our stars, and, and we just wait out the four hours. And he's just like, fuck yeah, that's smart. Let's do that. And the guy fucked him over. You know, he put rock, he put paper. He's like, oops, that was an accident. One more time. You know, rock again. He put rock, he put paper again, and he, and he took two of his stars, and he walked away. So now this guy has five stars. And he just fucked this guy who has one star who went into debt for $10 million and has debt on the outside. That's the first episode, and you're just like, this guy got fucked, right? And it teaches you to keep your guard up and not trust anybody. And it, and it keeps, for nine episodes, you know, it, it, it's the four hours of being on that cruise. And, and this guy has to uh, go places his brain he was not wired for. He has to become an entrepreneur in a way, become a businessman, become a capitalist in a way to protect himself and like use teamwork and all these things that he was just not, he wasn't that guy on the outside. You know what I mean? And I'm, I'm only halfway done with it and, and I hear uh, it gets even wilder, but uh, that kind of stuff to me is invaluable. And I wasn't taught that, you know, I didn't have a dad to teach me that. My mother wasn't around to teach me that. I didn't have an old brother to teach me that. I had to go through the machine and, and, you know, come out on the other side of a less man, you know, but, but, with a stronger heart so that's something that i really want to impart to you you know what i mean uh, i feel like you know that i think you got a great head on your shoulders um i want to see where you're at five ten years from now you know i want to be like fuck you know i want one guy to be like this you know one of your fans to be like this pseudonym jones hardcore fan google you and be like wow in 2016 he was on this podcast let me hear that yeah. you know and then you know but meanwhile i've had 200 podcasts and this guy's going on episode seven being like wow pseudonym jones that that was his origin story I, you know and that kid's 26 meanwhile you're 34 like I, that's what i live yeah. for you know oh, man. that's Don't you remind me of that's that's what i really live for yeah. man one it's gonna happen <laughs> yeah. it's it's inevitable man and uh and i want to create like this this body of work that is also um like you said, teaching people, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? There, there's value there. And if you can save, really, I feel like at the end of the day, I say I do this podcast forever, but I die, right? And it's, it was 10 years of podcast. For that one kid that hears it and, it and he becomes the Mark Zuckerberg, that's why I did it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's the way to do it. Yeah, man. Um, God damn it. We've been talking for a, for a minute. Yeah. And uh, I loved it, man. I'm sure you got other places to be. But uh, any, any final thoughts? Uh, I do thank you for this. Um, Final thoughts would be, um, to all the listeners out there, check out my website, uh, www.officialpseudonym.com. I also have a mixtape called The Lost Opus on Dat Piff, and uh, I perform at the Skylark Lounge. Tell me more about that. Oh, yes. Um, so um, Skylark is like one of the oldest blues clubs here in Austin. Where is it? Uh, it's located on Airport Airport Boulevard, uh, okay. down south. 
uh, right off of 35. And it's do on, they do open mics there? Yeah, they do open mics. Yes, yes. What, what days? What time? Uh, open mics, I believe, are on Tuesdays around 10 o'clock. Fuck yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Good to know. Thank you for that. Oh, yeah, no problem. And when do you perform there? Uh, I perform there usually on Mondays. You do like a solo act? Yes, yeah, like like guitar, acoustic guitar. Do you do but, vocals? Yeah, yeah, but I'm trying I'm trying to form like a bigger band. Like I want I want to do more. So I think that's probably been one of the most difficult things for me uh, while I was in I know school. a drummer. You I know, do? I know a really good drummer. Yeah, man. I'll be down. I'll yeah, be down. Yeah, maybe uh, you guys can jam. I'll be awesome. Thank you. Thank cool, you. Thank cool. you. I think that was one of the hardest things for me while I was in school and working. Uh, was you know to try to maintain the the time that I needed in order to form a band. You know, now that I'm out and free, I've been like emailing everybody on Craigslist and mm-hmm. like everything like that just to try to get out there and kind of network and meet with people. You know, mm-hmm. I do a lot of sit-ins. Like whenever I go down to the Skylark, I'll just bring my guitar and just like sit in with, with somebody that's performing out there, and we just jam out. You know, that's awesome. Um, but I would like like a band that like. I could go to, like, Arizona, California. Like, we could just travel together and just, like, do crazy shenanigans. Wow. Yes. That's awesome, man. Uh, Where can people find you on the internet? Okay, so uh, you can always uh, look me up uh, by Jared Ziggy Chuck. uh, Or, um, like, the website, uh, www.officialsuitonym.com. I also have a SoundCloud, uh, as well as an Instagram, as well as Twitter. They are all linked through the website. Again, www official pseudonym.com and yeah that's the best way to get in touch with me contact me to see my new works where i'm performing next etc etc that's great man email me your social and i'll put it in the show notes here so people can just see all your shit add you find <laughs> yes. you on instagram stalk you and all that stuff yeah i gotta say this was a blast this man. was so much fun thank, thank you, you man thank you thank you thank that's you. what it's all about thank you <laughs>